Alrighty, I thought I'd lost my sermon, but we're all good. It's here. It's all here. It's all here anyway. I want to start by praying and then we'll get into it. Lord, you know and you've foreseen this moment in time. You've moulded it, you've created it and we just give this time to you. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would have your way in all of our hearts. Lord, we don't take for granted that we can meet together publicly in this country and not get arrested or persecuted or beat up like in some other places in the world. And so we thank you for that. Lord, we just give you our attention and our expectations and we just uh, ask for you to speak to us, move in our hearts and lives. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to start before we get into Acts chapter 3 verses uh, 1 to 10, I think it is. I want to share a little bit about my salvation experience. It actually wasn't that long ago. It was 2003, about 15 years ago. And um, at that time in my life, I was really enjoying my life. You know, um, a lot of people seem to find faith when they're in a, a down period in their life. It's just that I need something and reach out to God. But I was, I was quite happy. I was studying at uni, uh, business management and accounting, and I was playing some uh, football, and I was spending time with mates, probably spending too much time at the pub, carrying on a little bit too wildly, um, as a lot of young people seem to do. But, but I didn't actually have a rock-bottom moment. I didn't have a crisis that drew me to God. It was actually that something in a group of people just, just got my curiosity, Right? It sort of grabbed my attention. And, and I'm so thankful that there was a group of people uh, around about on, on the outskirts of the, the worlds I was living in that lived lives that were filled and led by the Holy Spirit. See, I'd grown up in, in church, a very traditional church, and I knew of God and I knew of the Bible and I read sections of the Bible, but I'd never seen or experienced or felt in a real and tangible way that relationship and that power of God. You know, I probably could have lived a fairly happy existence in this life if I'd continue on the path that I was on. I had some good mates. I was fairly popular. I enjoyed life. But I noticed there was something in this group of Christians that was different. It, it was, it's hard to explain, but when you see it, you know it. And it was something that I didn't have. And it was something that made me curious and interested because I felt like how come they could have that and I can't have that and I couldn't for the life of me put my curiosity aside and and I didn't really know a lot about active relationship with Jesus and the supernatural power of a life led through the infilling of the Holy Spirit but I did know that I could either continue to live this average and okay life Or I could take a calculated risk of going into the unknown for a chance of something better than what I was on track for. And one day I took the risk. And I made a decision that I might not understand everything of God, but I want all of God and I'm glad that I took the risk. And the truth is the first part of that new journey for me was fairly rough. I lost a lot of friends at uni and some in the sporting clubs. But what I gained was this relationship with God and connection to the power of the Holy Spirit, connection to the power of a God who created everything we see. 
And I have to say that in 15 short years, I've seen God do amazing work within me personally, changing my character, you know, changing my personality. And then amazingly, and sometimes we can't even understand why, but God actually worked through me to influence lives of others. And I'm so glad that that curiosity led to me taking a chance and connecting to God's power. In Acts chapter 3, Verses 1 to, see, 1 to 10, we see Peter heals a lame beggar. And, and it goes like this. It says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he, put every, he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went in with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Then all the people saw him walking, jumping and praising God. They recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You see, one day, that's how the passage starts, one day Peter and John went out to pray and on the way they moved in the power through the Holy Spirit that when dwelled in them and through the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, a life was transformed forever. That was their one day moment. They'd had a one day moment at Pentecost. Now they were able to do a one day moment where they were partnering with God to give someone else a one day moment. And I want you to think about the lame beggar because every day he gets carried to the same place, to beg for a little bit of stuff just to get him through one day. Yet on this one day, a lame beggar went begging for some change, support the needs to get him through a temporary until he had to do the same thing next day and the power of God through the Holy Spirit and through faithful disciples healed the man. And no longer did he need to beg every day, beg for meals. He could actually go out, work, and his life was changed. A lot can happen in one day. You know, history would tell us that one day in 1752, Daryl was alive that day, (laughs) on a dark June afternoon in Philadelphia, a 46-year-old Ben Franklin decided to fly a kite. And anyone who knows science knows this story. With the help of his son, William, they attached his kite to a silk string. They tied an iron key to the other end. Next, they tied a thin metal wire from the key and inserted the wire into a Leyden jar, a container for storing an electrical charge. Finally, as the sky darkened and the thunderstorm approached, they attached a silk ribbon to the key. Imagine, like, there's his dad doing this with his boy. Can you imagine the mum? 
Isn't that, it's like my kids at home, they're riding bikes down hills at the moment and mum comes out and they've got to dodge trailers to, you know, get in pace and they can't really ride bikes yet. But it's like dads just love doing crazy things with their kids. And can you imagine poor mum in the corner? No one thinks about poor mum in this story. <laughs> Holding onto the kite by the silk ribbon, Ben flew the kite and once it was aloft, he retreated into the barn so that he would not get wet. The thunderstorm cloud passed over Franklin's kite upon where the negative charges of the cloud passed over his kite down the wet silk string to the key and into the jar. Ben, however, was unaffected by the negative charges because he was holding the dry silk ribbon, insulating him from the charge of the key. When he moved his free hand near the iron key, he received a shock. Why? Because, I'm so scientific, I know this stuff. So does Google. Because the negative charges in the key were so strongly attracted to the positive charges in his body, a spark jumped from the key to his hands. And so his experiment successfully showed that lightning was a static form of electricity. But why do I tell that story? It's Benjamin Franklin's curiosity and decision to take a risk. Flying a kite led to power being able to be captured. And it all started on one day for him. On a visit to Boston in 1746, he had this first revelation of a power that just grabbed a hold of his curiosity, that grabbed a hold of his attention. And some six years later, he had this breakthrough in using that power to great effect from the risky kite experiment. And the truth is that experiment seen as like this monumental moment in mankind's quest to channel the force of nature, which is one example of perhaps God's power, but it's known as lightning into electricity. But as I think about and read about stories like that, I'm reminded that the church needs its one-day moment where a group of people allow that untapped, sometimes unknown power of the Holy Spirit to be channeled through them and become transferable to affect change in the life of others. See, I believe as a church and as individuals, we need to be curious enough and even risk comfort and safety that we naturally create for ourselves with Sunday services and programs and, and, and all this stuff to actually chase at the point of a, yeah, it might be risky to harness the power of God through the Holy Spirit. If we're interested in seeing a great move of the Holy Spirit in our generation, you know, it's going to take us being curious. It's going to take us one day deciding that I can no longer just hear the great stories of years gone by where lepers are walking again where the blind are seeing their sight restored. And this passage is one of the passages that I love. And it starts out and it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. It's interesting that prayer was their custom. That's just what they did. And they were focused on that. And can I encourage us that it's a good thing to pray. And if you're finding yourself that it's hard to pray, you won't hear me say this often, but maybe we need to get a bit religious in an effort to pray. 
And I'm not saying that we become religious, but why don't we have a time set in our calendar every day with an alarm that goes off that reminds us to pray and keep that alarm going until we get in such a habit that we no longer need an alarm to remind us to pray because these guys are going out to pray and something amazing happens. It says, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. I don't know why you'd call um, gates beautiful, but... It was a beautiful gate, called Beautiful. When he put every day to beg, and those going to the temple courts, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Do you know, this was not uncommon. This was something that probably happened yesterday to these two guys. Probably happened the day before. Probably happened the day before. Yeah, there's two types of beggars in those days. There was the genuine ones, um, those who are in need, and then there's professional beggars trying to make money, and, and it happens in our day. You walk down some cities and you have exactly the same thing. And this guy couldn't walk. He was, the Bible says, the historical account says he was lame from birth. He was in genuine need. Um, and so this was his regular spot. The beggars all had their spots. And, you know, it's probably, it doesn't say this, but you could probably almost imagine that maybe these two guys had even supported him financially in the past. It did nothing seemed unusual at this. Peter looked straight at him though, this time, as did John. And Peter said to him, look at us. Why did they say, look at us? I just believe that this one day, maybe the Holy Spirit was so powerful and evident on them that they knew that as the man looked at them, something was going to happen. So the man gave them his attention. And then in this moment, it says that he's expecting to get something from them. As I reread this last night, I felt like God wanted us to know that when you expect to get something from God or people acting or moving in God, just know that you're going to get way more than you expect. So this man was expecting to get some gold or silver, but what he got was a new life. It made me think about, and I had to share, I got to share, not had to share, I got to share two um, stories about times when I've been fortunate enough to pray for people and, you know, we prayed for them and we thought that there'd be some improvement, but we got to see lives changed. And, and two of those stories, um, I shared one of them with Scott um, yesterday, was a few years ago, I was fortunate enough to pray for a lady who was on death's door, cords are pulled out, told by doctors 48, uh, 24 hours to live. Um, so the family asked me to go and pray um, just that last hospital prayer. Um, and we went there and, and we prayed for her, just expecting maybe for her to have some peace as she passes through to the next life. And she's had seven odd years of life now to this day. She's still alive. And the second story was there's a young guy who was associated with us and his hearing was getting that bad that even with his hearing aids, he was, he was starting to not be able to hear. And, um, and he said, oh, my hearing aids don't work like they used to work. Can you, can you pray for, for me that at least I can hear again, you know? And so we prayed for him and he had to take his hearing aids out because they were so loud. So he took his hearing aids out and then we're, we're doing these ones because we, we have little faith clicking and he could, he'd be turning. So without hear, he went from not being able to hear with his hearing aids to being able to hear without hearing aids. But in each of those times, we we're expecting God to do something, but God did something so much greater than we could even expect or imagine. And I feel like God wants us to know that 
We can expect God to do something, but know he is going to do so much more than you ever could expect. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do, I will give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So we see physical transformation here done by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And you know what he said? Peter said, walk. This guy's jumping. Because it says he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. The modern version might even say dancing. There was just something. It wasn't just able to walk and all of a sudden after years of muscles being absolutely ruined because he didn't walk, all of a sudden there's a jump in him. It's more than just a walk. This guy was fully healed, fully transformed. And praising God. It wasn't just a physical healing. This man's spiritual being altered as well. When, they, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love the wording in this passage. It says he used to sit. Do you know what? God can take us from whatever we used to do to what he wants us to do now. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, Everything changes. And so some of us might see here today and we might be stuck in, in sin or we might be stuck in pain or we might be stuck in health battles. I feel like God wants to say that can be the used to. You know, we don't have to be stuck in those things, but through the power of God, we can be transformed into something totally different. They still recognise the man, but they noticed there was a change and they were filled with wonder and amazement. One day, the released power of the Holy Spirit not only physically healed this man, but altered this man's spiritual reality. But the power was transformed by two guys who had recently had their one day moment at Pentecost and were now being partnership with God to have a one day moment for someone else. And so the background of this passage of Scripture is that everything that is important to our faith has recently just gone down. This is Acts chapter 3. This is soon after Jesus' death. This is soon after Jesus' resurrection. This is soon after his ascension into heaven, maybe a couple of months. And the disciples had kind of dispersed around Jesus' death and then Jesus, upon his resurrection, gathered them back. And they waited there and then they received power at the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was the disciples one day where they received power when the Holy Spirit came on them with the sound of a rushing wind and what looked like tongues of fire. And all of a sudden they're all started speaking in tongues. They're out preaching with a new level of power, with a new level of anointing. And all of a sudden these guys that were up and down, one minute they were full for God and wanting to serve Jesus. The next minute they were self-centred. All of a sudden there was just something of power and this increase and this move of God. And there one day was a platform that allowed them to make the leap to help others have their one day. So Peter and John harnessed a power relatively new to them and they shared it with this man and his life was transformed forever. And what happens is in this passage, you see three groups of people who helped this beggar. 
I love that it fails to mention the beggar's name because the beggar's not the important part. We don't want to focus on the who, we want to focus on the the why and the how. It's more about the transformation that can happen when God's people filled with power step out and use that power. And can I encourage us, when we have the opportunity to help someone in need, don't just do charity but ministry also. See, there's many groups of people who do many good things. And in this group, there seems to be three groups of people who help the man out. Two do charity. One does ministry. All are helpful. One changes things forever. Firstly, the people who carry the beggar to the gate called beautiful. Someone took this guy who couldn't walk to that place every day. He didn't have a motorised wheelchair. Some people carried him there. It's a lovely gesture by them. Maybe it's family who realise this man can't walk. Because he can't walk, he can't work. He needs to survive. We'll get him to the front of the temple. And it's a great strategic idea, right? You would hope and expect that the people going to pray, the people who are associated and of God, would be the most generous towards beggars. It's well played, right? Maybe it's a close group of mates who just take it in turns starting work a bit later each morning as they carry their buddy out. Maybe it's a work service where those who take him to the gate get a share of the money that he makes and you think, well, that's crazy, but there was entrepreneurs back those days as well as there is today. They just didn't have the internet back then. But whatever the reason, these people were helpful. They made a difference, a genuine difference in this man's life to seemingly the best of their abilities. Because skip forward to this passage and it says, when they healed guy was at the temple, others recognised him. So there's a whole circle of people associated. Why do they recognise him? Because there's people who would have supported him each day. There's people who go to the temple and part of their charity was to support one, two or three beggars. And I reckon they recognise him because all of a sudden the guy that they support each day is now the guy they no longer have to support. Maybe they're celebrating because they got more money for their pockets. But these guys also made a difference in this beggar's life. Without these guys who financially supported um, this beggar, the beggar wouldn't have eaten. The beggar would have died. And the third group of people who come and make a difference in this guy's life is Peter and John. And Peter and John have had a pretty full-on three years, right? Training with Jesus. And now they're fresh off Pentecost, Fresh off their one-day moments. They've been on a journey from small business owners in the fishing industry, chasing and valuing highly silver and gold. That's what they did. That's what their life was about. To then throwing silver and gold away to become disciples, where they personally witnessed the presence and power of the Holy Spirit at work through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't say, but I can safely assume that this power had grabbed their attention. This power, as they're seeing Jesus do all sorts of crazy miracles, grabbed their curiosity and they thought, well, I'd love to be able to influence this world just like he did. Then at Pentecost, their one day moment where that power that had previously been just curious to them and occasionally worked through them was now filling their very being. And so Peter and John are going to the temple to pray They're about to seek God and they see this man who is in a bad situation and the beggar asks them for money. 
They say they have none and say, what we do have, we can give you. And in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man, bang, healed. Now, this is truly amazing. But there's a level of risk in it for these newbies. And I wonder how many opportunities for miracles such as this just go begging because we fail to place the reward higher than the risk and withdraw the power we could have easily activated. I know I have many times. And in this passage, I don't think when Peter says silver and gold, I have none, that he was actually stone cold broke and literally had no money. He might not have had much money, but he just went back fishing for a little while between Jesus' um, death and Jesus' ascension. So surely a fisherman knows how to catch fish. Surely he sold some of them. Surely he had a few bucks in his pocket. But I believe that he knew that money would only be a temporary fix to a permanent problem. And the only way for them to fix this man permanently was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Others had helped this man out and continue to help this man out And charity is helpful. It's never permanent. More help was needed. More money was not the answer. And it's it's a bit of a lesson for us. Like We can be like everyone else and we are and helpful in temporary solutions. I'm not going to say we're not going to give money as a church. We do that. We do that well. We support many different things. But we have more than that. Will we take a risk and step out of the comfortable and into faith and start harnessing the power of the Holy Spirit to transform people's lives for eternity? Here are Peter and John, just previously or newly filled with the Holy Spirit. They didn't totally know how this would end up. In fact, earlier in the Gospels, we see the disciples training in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they're training, they're trying to cast out demons. And and for some it worked. And then other times they couldn't do it. So they've had their share of failure. And can you imagine? Imagine that. You know, we, we skip over that. But they've cast out demons in this crazy person. They've cast out demons in this crazy person. And the crowds are around. There's people around when that sort of stuff happened in that day. And all of a sudden they're praying for this guy. It doesn't work. What does the crowd think? How's that affected them? You could almost forgive them to be going, huh, didn't work that time. And there's some doubt. They could have found a way to satisfy the beggar for that day, fulfill the need for the day, go do our prayer, get on with the rest of our lives. Yet they knew of this power. And they knew the benefit and they risked their reputation and their disappointment for the chance to do something extraordinary. When did, it made me think, when did I last risk the ordinary for the chance for someone to have a one day moment when everything changes for the better? You know, maybe we don't see the miracles we want to see that we pray for and sing about because we aren't risking the ordinary. Made me think about how often do we hear about someone getting cancer or something else and, and how many of those times do we actually go, can I come around, can I lay my hands on you and can I pray for healing for you? 
power of the Holy Spirit needs to grab our attention. It needs us to be curious enough and be willing to risk our comfort or our pain. If Plum, if you want to come up and, and, and get ready to do a song, that'd be great. We need to be willing to risk our comfort, risk our pain, risk our emotions to potentially harness his power to enhance the life of others. You know, back in 1970, Benjamin Franklin was curious enough about the power of lightning in a storm to take a risk to do whatever it takes so he could grab a hold and harness that energy. Do we have enough curiosity in the Holy Spirit that we're willing to risk ridicule, we're willing to risk our comfort, to you know, go into the unknown to say, you know what, I believe in you, God, and I know of your power and I've seen your power move before and I want to see that happen in my life and in the life of others. We have this power so great that the capacity and potential for transformation in people's lives, in our family and our friends and in our greater region is uncapped and untapped. And so I want to close with two questions for us this morning. Does the available power of the Holy Spirit spike your curiosity? And secondly, is today your one-day moment? I, I just feel like in this time and in this space, I want to pray for some people today. I, I want to pray for people and I want you to take a risk and come forward. If, if you need a miracle in your life, if there's something that is in your life and you've had a temporary fix day after day after day and it helps for the day and it's okay, but you go, there's a, there's a way for that to be used to be. I want today to be your one day moment. I want you to come forward as the guys are singing. I'd love to lay hands on you, myself and a couple of others who are organised and we'd love to just pray for you to have a, a one day moment and a miracle moment. And maybe there's others here today, you, you don't need prayer for healing, but maybe you're curious about the power of the Holy Spirit. And the truth is the Bible tells us that if you believe in the Holy if you believe in Jesus, if you've given your life to Him, that you can receive the baptism and power of the Holy Spirit to just indwell in you. And I want to pray for those who, who need that today. So as the guys are just playing some music, if, if you just want to stay there, you can just stand and sing. But if you want to take a risk today, if you need a one day moment, we just love to pray with you this morning. Make this your one day moment where everything changes. Oh,